Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm talking with my friend, Ben. Ben and I worked together at the agency, and we've stayed in touch ever since I left. We hang out on the weekends, play some cards, drink some beers, and just stay in touch. Ben is a designer, so I wanted to pick his brain about what it's been like in this pandemic, keeping a creative mindset and staying within his creative process. I also wanted to learn about how he and his wife remodeled their entire upper floor of their house as they were moving in. He's got some interesting stories to share about that. And then we also talk about beard envy. It's okay to have beard envy. It's okay to be jealous of guys who may have a better beard than you. If you like what you hear, share us with a friend, give us a review on Apple, follow us on Spotify. You know the drill. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Ben. Hope you enjoy. times it is it it'll, is. Be great. it'll be great to see like all the creative shit that comes out of this though because i do yes. think like i said before like yes. people are coming together communities are doing stuff people are gaining awareness of how important it is to have people who do janitorial jobs and serve you mcdonald's and shit like that like hopefully it'll get a little more respect and or living wage for people who have a hard time supporting themselves and their families which all that money is currently going to like billionaires, which could be split up amongst the serfs a little bit more, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's there's definitely a an imbalance going on. Um, right. So with with all this going on, you're a creative guy. You know, um, what are some of the things that you're doing to kind of keep your mind sharp? Like, what do you, what are some of the things that you're doing around the house or? or working on creating that, that kind of gives you that, um, something to look forward to and and that sense of purpose. Um, well, I'm kind of, there's two things that I started at the beginning of the year, um, that were just maybe just goals for the year that I'm continuing, continuing to work on. And the, uh, one is reading. So I want to read one fiction and one nonfiction book a month. Awesome. Um, just to keep kind of my brain entertained in some ways and to learn some stuff on the other side. I'm not a huge fan of reading nonfiction because it's terribly boring to me most of the time. Um, but there are a lot of books that I realized um, that I was never exposed to in school because I either tested out of having to take certain classes or I just avoided taking any classes that had reading in them. So like there's so many classic novels that I've just never ever read. So I'm trying to catch up on that kind of stuff. Um, and then as far as the, the nonfiction stuff, I'm trying to read books related to the industry, like somehow related to advertising or marketing or digital media or design or some sort of creative uh, vocation. Um, and so, so yeah, so I've been doing better with the fiction. Um, I think I've probably read six or seven fiction books already this year and I'm barely keeping by the one nonfiction a month. They're just not as much fun to read. So, uh, so reading is one thing, um, from a creative standpoint, 
I guess I really haven't been doing a ton of like actual production of work, but I've been doing a lot of like conceptual stuff. Yeah. Or I don't really know if that makes that much sense, but I've been writing a lot in my notebooks and sketching and doing a bunch of stuff like that. Um, I haven't really been producing. I guess I made a screen print a couple of weeks ago that because um, I want to get back into my printing uh, habit. So I'm trying to do some more screen printing. Um, I've been doing some experimentation with font creation. Um, I like exploring letter forms and whatnot and patterns. What goes into creating a new font or a typeface like that? What, what are some of the things that you have to think about? Um, well, the, the two that I've most recently worked on, one of them was inspired by, sparked by, I saw this uh, font online called uh, Solid 70, which is kind of a, it's definitely a geometric it's kind of a throwback sort of font where it has like, like if you imagine the letter O, it would have like a center dot and then another ring around that and another ring around that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those fonts that has like multiple line strokes per character. Mm-hmm. And I saw it and I thought, yeah, it's kind of cool, but some of the letters looked really janky to me for some reason. Like they just, the, the, the font concept really appealed to me, but certain letters turned me off because I was like, I can't even read what that is. Like I, in the context of showing me an alphabet, I can decipher that that's an S, but if you showed me that by itself, I would not know that that was an S. So using that as kind of a a jumping off point, I went into Illustrator and I started playing around with different, I don't know, shape thicknesses, I guess would be a way to say it. Like horizontal and vertical lines based on a grid and then how do circles fit into that grid and then how can I use those things to connect to each other to create letter forms um so basically what I would do is like stack a grid of horizontal and vertical lines and rings and then delete out all the parts that didn't make the letter that I wanted it to make if that makes sense yep. and then that would be the letter okay it's kind of a uh, like a drilling down sort of uh, process where you like you set yourself up with a it's not exactly a template but it's kind of like a starting point where you have rings and you have lines and they intersect because they're all on a grid and so if you can just like imagine where the spaces should be in the letter you can just delete the parts that don't shape the letter and then you end up with a letter. I don't know. It's almost like carving in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's how that font uh, came together. And I think it actually turned out kind of cool. Like, I'm not the kind of topographer or letter form creator who's going to, like, do the extended, uh, like, weird, not weird. Basically, I do, like, uppercase, lowercase, letters, common punctuation, and that's it. Yeah. Like I don't try to do the whole glyph set for every single possible accented character and all that stuff. Like there's like a lot of those fonts have like 400 different characters in them. And, like I just don't have the stamina for that. I don't care enough to go beyond just the basic shit that I might use in a poster or something like that. So it's pretty self-serving. Um, and that's generally why I don't share those 
font files with anyone. Um, because they would be like, oh, hey, what about this? And be like, yeah, that doesn't exist in this font. You know? <laughs> Sorry. Then they'll be or disappointed. <laughs> or that's not why I don't share them. That's why I don't charge anyone for those. Because like, if you're going to charge money for something, it should be a product that actually has like everything you want it to do, right? Right. Uh, and not capable or willing to, to do that for everyone. Um, that makes sense. And then the other font I made, which is not as much fun, was like, I was thinking, okay, this thing, this font that I just made is kind of cool. It's based on these multiple lines that intersect, or not intersect, but like work together to create these letter forms. And it's cool. It's got this weird throwback look, and it's modern, but it's also classically modern in a weird way. How could I simplify that even further? So I made another font that was based on not having multiple lines, just having the very fewest shapes possible so only horizontal and vertical lines and arcs but no duplicative stuff and that looks a lot more like something you would like show in like a grade school classroom or something like it's very simplified oh, I see what you like mean. an o is a circle and an a is like an upstroke and the top of a circle and the downstroke and a line like they're just so rudimentary that you cannot mistake something for a different letter form. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. And then when I do patterns, which are really addictive to me, and I can lose hours in doing patterns, I just go into Illustrator and I like find a shape, and then I'll play with like rotating it, or most most of it comes from rotation or flipping. You flip a shape, and you rotate a shape, and then you flip it again. Like it has this tessellation they call it where you can repeat that thing mm. over, and over and over and over and over and over and over again so if you think about the work uh if you're familiar with mc escher the artist who made like those repeating tile patterns with like reptiles that would like change it to birds or something like that okay yeah he, he used this concept of tessellation to just kind of play tricks on your mind or he's using the same shapes over and over and over but he's just like he would go from like a fish to a bird and like they're all made of the same part, but over time he would just like morph the way that, that they're drawn more or less. And so I got really intrigued by tessellations last year and bought a bunch of books about it. Um, so I try and play with stuff like that. Most of the patterns I do are either based on just simple shapes and colors and, and or gradients, and then just screwing around with that. I don't know. That's cool. How do you, what, what sticks out to you about those patterns and things is it just the way that things work together to create something what's going through your mind when when you're looking at something like that i'm not even really sure i think a lot of it is kind of meditation to be honest like i can get in a groove where they start with a very simple shape but when you put them into a different i don't know i i just think it's really cool you have something that's very simple but if you use it in a different way it's very complicated I don't know. I was just like playing around with this shit because it's just cool and weird. Yeah. And Maybe you can do these very complicated looking patterns from like very simple starting points. Have you always been into patterns and stuff like this or is this kind of a new kick that you've been on? Uh, I've been working on this kind of stuff for about, let's say since last summer. 
And just, just uh, finding new ways to do things, right? Like just finding a new way to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Or even just like exploring what exists that I just don't understand. Like this is just a bunch of triangles, right? But yeah. That's pretty cool. And this is like, this is the master shape. But if you put them together in a pattern, like it has this much more complicated outcome. Like I've just been kind of playing around with like different, okay, like we want to do a shell pattern. Oh, that kind of looks kind of cool. I started with these like little tiny blocks. So like this is only a block of four rectangles. So there's a white rectangle, a black rectangle, a white rectangle, a black rectangle. And then I would change how they position with, with each other and then put them into these bigger blocks and then zoom out more or less. And then you start to see that there's a pattern and then you start to see that there's a pattern. Like the farther out you zoom, the, the cooler the pattern becomes. So I started this one, kind of the same premise. You start with this one, you zoom out, you zoom out again, you zoom out again. You start to see these like interests, intricacies, is that a word? Intricacies, intricacies. yeah. Things happening where they're just, they started from like a really simple like this like it's almost like weaving fabric in a way like this is a stitch and 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 if you zoom out far enough you have like these cool patterns yeah, i just find it to be really meditative really like i can lose an hour doing this super easily is just that, playing around with like what does this look like oh, what does it look like if i turn it what does it look like <laughs> if i turn it again what does it look like if i turn it again you know so you kind of get into a flow state yeah more or or less yeah and it's very relaxing is what i'm trying to say yeah so like i'm super stressed out or i'm kind of trying to come up with a concept for something and i'm not getting anywhere i kind of use these as kind of like my shower moment things okay like i'll think about this for a little while and i'll be like oh yeah of course i haven't been thinking about the thing i'm trying to think about and now it's easier to have an answer or a solution or whatever yeah Anyway, that's kind of how patterns work for me. It seems like you are very curious about just everything. That kind of leads like me. What did you say? I said I like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just that curiosity that you know. How does this work? Well, how does this work in relation to this other thing? And you kind of need that in in your industry because you kind of need to have that understanding of how things work to be able to work for that industry for that certain client in that industry sure but yeah it, but it seems like it's there are times that. there are times when my curiosity and the thing that i'm working on are not really meshing up in the way that i would like them to like i'm curious about a certain thing or i'm i'm, I'm curious about a certain design style or or a concept and i'm and i have to kind of put that aside because like it's not the appropriate thing for that client but so find other ways to to serve because I feel like my design style is not like you would never look at the or maybe you would I don't look at the stuff that I produce for clients as something that I can see my signature on. There are some designers where you can look at their work and be like, oh, that's so and so. Like that's obviously their style or whatever. I try and make sure that my whatever I produce for a client is in the style that's most appropriate for them. I'm not putting myself onto them. Um, and so like, if I'm super interested in doing like patterns, which I obviously like to, I always try to figure out a way, like, can I use this for this client? And 
more I've never had an instance where the answer was yes so far. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll get there. Uh, but it, yeah, it just hasn't yet. Well, that's good. I mean, that's and good though. That's good. That it would be fun to like bulldoze them and just be like, yeah, you really need patterns because I like patterns. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, right. And then all the work that came out of your office would look exactly the same and nobody would have a unique right. visual style. And that defeats the entire point of marketing. So right. Um, right. I think you're seeing it. And we've been having time. some fun recently. I mean, there's a couple things that are coming online right now that I'm really happy about. Like, like the Southwest Minnesota stuff that we did uh, last year that we just got approved. Like I'm really stoked on how that brand and how the messaging is going to come out. Um, as with any of the small travel clients, it's almost dead in the water right now. Like I have no idea when it's going to come out, when they're going to start producing stuff. Are they even going to bother to change their Facebook logo right now? Like I'm right. So that's kind of like one of the ones where I'm like super excited about it coming out, but I have no idea when it's actually going to drop. Um, whereas we just worked with Leech, uh, Leech Camper Sales here. Uh, we haven't really even gotten into like putting out the campaign or any of that stuff, but in going through their stuff, I just had some suggestions about, hey, here's some things we could do to kind of realign or just rein in the branding situation you have right now, which is kind of all over the board. How can we refine that a little bit, make it more unified? You know, let's get some colors. Let's get, let's make sure these fonts are all uh, just organized, right? I mean, that's, they just needed some consistency in their brand approach. Um, so I'm really excited about that coming out too. And they're super stoked on it as well. And they also have budget and they're motivated. So I'm really excited about that. I try to serve the client. So like if the client wants something I don't, particularly like that's what they want so i'm going to help them in the best way that i can on those two clients like it was what i suggested and what i think was the right thing to do and they both said yes let's do that so i see those both as a real win and i'm you know excited about that so i was telling a friend of mine i sent him a i can't remember what i sent him a photo of something or a video clip or something like that and he was like that is really rad i said the bad news is that it wasn't approved like Maybe ten percent of the stuff that I actually do gets approved and ever gets seen in the world, and I think that, that is something that, especially beginning designers, don't know about. Mm -hmm. Like the majority of the work that you do, no one will ever see, yeah. and that can be really frustrating, especially early in the career, um, if you haven't had the right kind of education or mentoring. Um, but even now, I'm like, God, so much stuff is just left on the cutting room floor that. I thought it was good enough to show the client. Like it must've been good enough to show somebody else too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And all the work that went into it, all the thought that went in behind it. Mm -hmm. That's frustrating. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, we have some of that in our office too, where we do some cool oh, stuff. Sure. We have an opportunity to do some cool stuff and then it never gets, it never gets past the point where it can actually see the light of day. So how are you able to kind of more or less deal with that do you just get over and just accept it that's the way that it is or are i mean are there avenues to where you can share some of that out and just be like hey this was something that wasn't approved but i want to share it with you all anyway is there any any way to do that i i'm sure that there is i just generally don't i'm at the point where it 
it doesn't come out or it doesn't get approved or it falls apart. Like I just, at that point I'm already thinking about the next thing. Mm-hmm. I'm already working on the next thing anyway. Um, especially by the time, like a lot of the life cycles for projects, um, by the time it actually gets to print or gets the website goes live or, you know, whatever, like I'm, that's, I've already been thinking about other things for weeks by that point, you know? So like, uh, and I don't generally show stuff that I'm working on. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I've never been that guy to be like, Oh, check this out. Oh, the client didn't approve this. Um, (laughs) I save that stuff in case for whatever reason I ever need to show it to somebody, but I don't publicize that. I mean, I don't self promote myself hardly at all to begin with, let alone stuff that's not getting produced. Yeah. It's just never been a part of my personality to, to do that. Like I definitely want to share the stuff that I do get approved and get out in the world. But even then I have a hard time keeping up, uh, just documenting what's, you know, like, I don't think I've, updated my personal portfolio since I got hired at Molly marketing. And the only reason I would do it again was if I wanted to try and get a different job. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm one of those type of designers. Um, I'm not like constantly self promoting myself along the way. Um, and I probably should. I mean, that would be a service to the clients to do more of that, but, uh, I don't you're know. You're busy working I mean, on the other people's rate, stuff. Like, like you were saying, like, how do you deal with, with that like when you get shot down or whatever it's just i don't know i've been doing this for so long that that my ego and my work are so far apart that there's no heartbreak i do get disappointed but it's not like a big deal that is that is a good lesson for young people to know i mean in any line of work that you're in really i mean you kind of have to um separate yourself from it yeah Yeah. understand and it's hard too because you are putting so much of your time and your creativity and you're really putting heart and putting yourself into it you have to be separated at the same time because you're like this this whatever i'm doing right now has a 10 percent chance of living let's say yeah so you can't really be too invested in any one particular thing um young people (laughs) and the other side of it too is when people are trying to give you feedback, hopefully they're doing it in a respective way. And it's not like, Oh, this sucks. It's, Hey, what if you tried this? And I think some young people today, when they hear that, they think that they're being personally attacked and they're being told that their work isn't good enough. And then they're not good enough as a person because their work isn't good enough. You know what I mean? So it's trying to separate the self from the work um, and understand yeah. that people are out there to, to help. They're, they're not out there to, to shoot you down and to, to knock you down. They're, they're there to help you throughout your process and, um, being yeah. able to create, um, create things, you know, you're going to have to learn to have a, have some rough skin going into it. Yeah. And also I think, um, just that kind of levity or whatever of, of, like you said, understanding that like my, like I, manage i work with two younger designers who are both very talented but you know they're green in their career so like working with them um one of them is really a lot easier to work with and accepts like like i could just shit on her stuff all day and she would be okay with it and the other one is a lot more 
cautious about asking for feedback and whatever. So I kind of have to deal with them a little bit differently. But that doesn't mean that I have to say different things about what they need to improve on. It just means that I need to like couch that conversation a little bit differently. Like, like I can be a little bit more critical with the one and say like, well, why didn't you do this? Or like, you should know better than that or whatever. And the other one I have to be like, Oh, well, you know what you should do is you should do this rule or you should try this idea. Um, and, I, and a big part of that was just kind of like, I didn't automatically know how to do that. Like I learned how to talk to people um, when I was teaching at UNL and SEC to manage different personality types a little bit. I wouldn't say that I'm great at it, but um, just having those experiences really exposed me to different levels of fragility, I guess I would say. Like there are some really talented people who are very bullheaded and will not change what they're doing. Even when you give them very explicit, change this, change this, change this, change this, they might change one thing. And you're like, dude, I, I told you to change five things. Change these five things. And they have other people who you say, change these five things, and they will just change everything about the entire project. They will scrap the project and start from scratch. It's like, no, dude, I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to change these little five little details. So it's you know, it can be tricky. It was much more tricky when I had 20 people at a time I was talking to. Um, now I have... The, the two and that's much more manageable uh, <laughs> i bet but uh you know I, and i really look at it as as really like a fun and good situation to be in mm -hmm. like i like working with people and i like to be able to help them develop and i like to be able to suggest things and even when they ask me about a problem where like it's a maybe it's like a weird thing in photoshop or after effects or something where they're like why does this, what, what is going wrong? And I'm like, huh, I haven't thought of that in a long time. What is going wrong? Oh yeah. It's this weird little detail that I haven't thought about in five years, but I've been through that before because it's just one of those things that people will go through. There was a time when, uh, when programs had books and you would get the book and you would <laughs> yep. read the book. And then you would know, oh, yeah, there's all these different things that you can do. Now there's no fucking books. So, like, <laughs> you give somebody Photoshop, they're like, oh, I have Photoshop. Like, I guess I'm going to, like, look on YouTube to see what that is. Like, there's no fucking books anymore. So, yeah, it must be a much different. But at the same rate, like, I've been using Photoshop since, like, 1998 or something, 97, 6, something like that. Like, yeah, maybe I read a book back then, but. I certainly haven't kept up with any of the changes they've been doing for the past 20-something years. Like, right. I know that they add all these cool new tools all the time every time they upgrade, and I'm like, yeah, fuck that. I don't need that. I'm sure I do, though. You know what I mean? Like, just fucking old. Well, that's what Google's for, Ben. Yeah, exactly. And that's what YouTube is for. And that's why, like, 13-year-old Russian kids who put up YouTube videos on how to do stuff, they are the best. I love them. They're like, oh, what you do is you go like this, and then you go like this, and then you do this. And they do it super fast, and they don't tell you how to do it. But if you can, like, 
slow down and see what they're doing, you can be like, oh yeah, that's genius. That's great. Not a very good tutorial, but now I know how to do it. You know. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of YouTube and Google, how much uh, how much of that did you do while you guys were remodeling your house? Oh shit! Every single thing that we did, literally every single thing that we did, was uh, either uh, we knew somebody who had already done it, one of our friends who had like helped somebody put up drywall before or put in a wood floor or done whatever random thing and or a lot of YouTube and or just doing the same thing two or three times to get it right. <laughs> there are many things in this house that have been done three times uh, for better or for worse. And, uh, you know, if I had to do it all again, I might do certain things a little bit differently. But, you know, we moved into this house. We didn't expect to move here. We decided to make some renovations and then and then it just kind of snowballed into like, well, if we're going to start doing some renovations, we might as well just renovate everything because we're never going to do it again. Uh, and and that's probably not the best way to plan for a <laughs> complete like first floor remodel, but uh, we made it through and and like I said, I do some things differently. The main thing that I would probably source out next time would be drywall. Oh, Not because hanging it is that bad, but because mudding it is so frustrating. Like just getting it smooth, not having any bubbles, not having to do it 15 times in a row and sanding it all the time. So there's like just dust literally everywhere. Oh my goodness. That would be the one that I would hire out from now on. The other stuff I'm kind of into, like I like doing like wood, I like cutting stuff and building stuff and I like putting stuff together and I like doing tile. Uh, and I don't mind doing finishing work. It's just the drywall stuff. I don't like that. We have, have a friend who is an electrician and so he came over and did a few of the more dangerous things uh, <laughs> that we needed to have done. Smart move, smart move. But he explained to me like, for, like very lucidly, like how do these kind of, light switches work how do these kind of things work how do they work in tandem where you have like two light switches that control the same light or three light switches that control the same light um and it kind of taught me not to be as afraid of electricity as i was so like i'm i i've done all of the lights uh up here now and i'm gonna do a couple more things and the reason that he uh instilled that kind of like lack or not i guess i have respect for electricity but i'm not as fearful of it yeah. was because one day we were chatting he was installing some wire into our box and he just took out his clips and clipped into a live wire and it just popped like it was a giant explosion of electricity it kind of like melted his wire cutter a little bit and he didn't have gloves on it just like made a loud popping noise and he was like, oh shit, I should have known that was on. That was the extent of it. Like he didn't get electrocuted, nothing burned down. <laughs> Thank God. And I, at that point on, I was like, oh, okay, I guess like it's not that, I guess it's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be as afraid as I was. So now like if I, if I need to swap out a light switch or a outlet or something like that, I'll just go ahead and turn the power off and do it and turn it back on. It seems to always work, so. Well, it's, it's one of those things where you're, you're afraid of something until you see it actually oh, happen. Sir. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same concept. So speaking of the house, you know, we we were working together at the time when when you guys bought the house and started working. Uh Um, You said that you wanted to change one thing that led to the next thing. It was a snowball effect. But what was the, I guess, what was the thought pattern behind that? Was it just like, let's just fucking do it now and be done and not have to worry about it again? Or was it one of those things where, you know, you, you started doing it, you're like, well, shit, you know, we're kind of in the middle of it now. We need to just do it. But it kind of changed a lot of things in your house, right? Not only were you given the first floor a whole makeover, but that changed your guys' living arrangements for a year plus. Oh, yeah. So yeah. how, how are you guys able to kind of balance that aspect of it, of, of not having, I guess, normal house life, if you could call it normal? Walk me yeah, through that. Yeah, we, so we started out in the basement uh, because uh, the floors in the bedrooms and hallway were existing wood floors. But we needed to resurface those before we... Uh, refinish refinish those before we moved in so that took uh god i don't know two months or something like that so we were living in the basement for those for those two months and then we moved upstairs and you know during that time we'd already kind of decided uh, some of the things we were going to change up here like we took out the wood paneling on the wall and we took out this built-in thingy and started like kind of making some changes and we thought that we were going to put in the wood floors to match. We weren't 100% sure. And then we decided if we're going to do wood floors, we're going to do them now because we'll never do them if we move in up here. So we started tearing up the floors. And when we were getting into the kitchen, uh, we started having this discussion about like, okay, so how should we, how do we want to, to change the kitchen? You know, do I just want to? Like, it was all like dark wood and like laminate counters and and cabinets and a faucet or faucet soffit. And we're like, okay, well, we're gonna move the stove over here and we're gonna move the fridge over here, and we just kind of want to rearrange things and then paint them. And then it just got to the point where I was like, well, if we're gonna do all this work anyway, why don't we just make it the way we want it to be long term? Or like, what's your dream kitchen like? You know, why don't we just do that now? Which may or may not have been the best decision, but I mean, we have a cool kitchen now. So, oh man, I mean, you guys' kitchen is amazing. It's magazine worthy, man. You got the you got the white tile on the backsplash. You got the nice appliances. You got your little terraniums with a little mm-hmm. with little succulents in there. Oh man, it's just it's just beautiful. Magazine worthy. I like that. That's nice. Thank you. Absolutely, man. <laughs> it is really nice. But like you said, like how did this change our our like normal day-to-day lives. Like the only way that we could have done this is to not have kids, to be honest. Like if we had kids, there would have been no way that we could have taken this on because even just doing the floor, there were times where, where certain sections of the floor were just open to the joists. Like there was no subfloor. There was no carpet. Like there was nothing there except for joists. So like even the dog was sort of, quarantine to certain areas at times just like i didn't think she was going to fall through the floor but you know like she could get hurt or there'd be a million nails everywhere or you know all sorts of different things that we that we worked through 
Um, after we moved upstairs, things maybe got a little bit easier for a while because we still had a functional kitchen. Mm -hmm. But once we started tearing the kitchen apart and moving the wood floors in, it got to the point where like we had taken every cabinet out of the kitchen. The only thing that was still standing was the stove. We didn't even have a sink in the kitchen. And then once we got to the point where we had to move the stove out, then we just had, or we actually moved the uh, refrigerator downstairs. Um, we still had the stove until a certain point where we moved, had to move the stove out onto the porch. And then it was no, no longer accessible. <laughs> so like we really, for like two, I think for maybe like six months, we had our microwave and our fridge downstairs. And that was our kitchen. And we used our, uh, like a utility sink in the basement as like our sink. Like it was a, it was pretty bad there for a while because like when you don't have a stove, you really can't cook. Like there are very few things that go well in the microwave. <laughs> Not even mac and cheese goes well in the microwave. Like you're either getting takeout or eating somewhere else or having like a peanut butter sandwich. Right. And that's kind of all there was there for a while. As the kitchen got to the point where it was functional again, things kind of slowed down as far as like prioritizing doing a bunch of work on weekdays. Because we would be doing like go to work, come home, do like three or four hours worth of work, go to sleep, do the same thing every single day. Until the point where the kitchen was back operational and then it was kind of like, well, shit works. I guess we don't have to really bust our ass so much anymore. You know, like we can, like everything now is just cosmetic right. and cosmetic can wait, you know? Um, and so things really slowed down at that point where I don't think we did very much work for maybe three or four months. We might do a couple of hours of work on the weekends, but we were so burned out by that point that we just were like, whatever, you know, the shit works. We don't have to worry about how it looks right now yeah. um, until we kind of got fed up with the fact that things were not <laughs> looking that great and there were still tools everywhere and, uh, you know, just general chaos. So we really did a big push at the end of last year in December uh, to get things wrapped up. And at this point, we have like two or three little details to take care of, but we're pretty much done. And that was like a two, two and a half year process. Yeah, I, I, say, I suppose. At least two years, yeah. And yeah, we never like killed each other during that time, or, or like really had any major. We def definitely got annoyed. There was definitely stress involved, but right. a lot of people we would talk to would would say stuff like, you know, a lot of people get divorced when they do a renovation on like one room. <laughs> you guys are doing a whole house out of that work. Right. <laughs> no, but cool. I, you know, when we bought this place, we'd already been married for like 11 years. Like we have a certain comfort level and trust and respect for each other that even if I am not hundred percent on board with whatever crazy idea she has or reverse, like we're like, whatever, like it's going to pan out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You have that level of trust and, also, you can you can only push back so many times on things, whereas you just kind of have to be like, yep, all right, that works for me. I don't have a strong enough opinion to fight you on this or push back on right. this, so let's just roll with it. My first, I mean, I'm very, I'm like, 
like I said before, like I'm kind of like like a not stuck in my way, but they're like I have systems that work for me, you know. And when somebody tries to change my system, I'm automatically going to be like, no, don't change the system until I think about it. Mm-hmm. And then once I think through it, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't really matter. Why wouldn't I want that cool thing to happen in my life, you know? Like, but you know, people are resistant to change and we're fearful of change or whatever. And, and I know that about myself. So I just have to take a minute or two and be like, mm, yeah, if that thing was different, would that really matter that much to me? No, it wouldn't. Like, let's move on. You know, um, I get excited when I do like really small shit around the house. Um, I think uh-huh. I told you the last time I was over at your guys' house, I, I hung a wine rack and I felt super proud and we mm. hung our own, oh. Um, curtains and, and those sorts of things. Like you feel mm-hmm. a real big sense of pride in that. And those are just minuscule things. You guys oh, redid sure. your entire fucking house. What, what kind right. of feelings like were, were you more relieved than anything? Like, Oh my God, this is over. Or were you just like, Hey, this is a work in progress. What, what's kind of your, your feeling about it? That's an interesting question. I don't know how to answer that. I do feel re- really proud of the work that we've done. I feel really like a, a big sense of accomplishment. Part of me feels kind of just like, because we're still not a hundred percent done. Right. I'm still kind of like, well, it's not done, but uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you're satisfied. You're satisfied for now, but there's more work to be done. Is what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's things that like, if I look closely there's things that I would still change just a little bit, mm-hmm. but I definitely am not gonna because like, I don't have the time or the energy or like, I don't want to redo something again or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel really good about it. And, and we're at the point now where everything's livable. Everything's presentable. We can have people over and not be like, Oh, don't step on that stapler or whatever. <laughs> uh, and that feels really good. Uh, the biggest thing at this point is that we've used our garage as like our main storage area and or work area and or staging area for all almost all 100% of the stuff that we've done. Mm-hmm. And there's still just a clusterfuck of stuff all over the place that is not organized, is not useful in any way and I'm just uh, really ready to clean that shit out and and make the garage what it ought to be. And had we had the foresight prior to moving in, I th- the smartest thing we would have done was just put up shelves. Yeah. If we had just put up shelves in the garage, ninety percent of my concern about what's going on right now would be gone. Uh, but we didn't. So the garage is like the biggest catch-all in a house. It's oh, yeah. first number one is closet. You're just going to throw shit in a closet. Number two mm-hmm. is the garage. Like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just set it in the garage for now. I'll deal with that later until you yeah. can't use your garage anymore. And then it's like, Oh, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. And then, and I actually have done a couple of, I call them rage cleaning <laughs> events yep. where I just get so fed up that I'm just like, fuck, uh-huh. I'm just going to drink a bunch of caffeine and I'm going to destroy this problem. And, and that's worked on a couple of occasions, but it was always a Band-Aid solution. Each time I did it, it was just a Band-Aid. 
And now I'm to the point where I'm like, all right, we need a permanent situation. Yeah. And uh, that's coming up. As soon as it gets like, as soon as it gets predictably nice outside for <laughs> two or three days in a row, that's what's going to happen. I like your optimism that that's going to happen in Nebraska. Uh, it's the middle well, of April and it's, it's just uh, decided to it has, snowstorm today. It has to happen. Or just even like one day where I'm like, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna opt out of every other thing that I've committed to on this day, what whatever that might be, and I'm just gonna take care of this shit, and then I'll feel better. Yep. I just need like eight to ten, twelve hours to like really nail it down. <laughs> yeah, you got to do that sometimes. I get wild hairs all the time. Like I'll start to do one thing. Maybe it's um, working in my closet or something and organizing clothes or making a donation pile or whatever. Three sure. hours later, I'm still working on that shit just because one thing, it just it just snowballs after, oh, after sure. each other. Yeah. Plus, I mean, once you get into that mindset, you're like, oh, also, this other room <laughs> also needs some TLC. Yeah. Oh, and also this other thing that I hid from myself two years ago now i need to address that so after after kind of going through all that with your with your house and and kind of redoing literally everything what would your advice be to somebody who's starting to think about uh going into a house project what are what are some of the things that people need to kind of think about that's an interesting question the first thing i would recommend would be to Ah, there's almost like two. Okay, so if you're looking to renovate a house that you're already living in, figure out ways to live without that space for a lot longer than you think <laughs> you're going to live in that space. Fair point. Like twice as long as you think it's going to take. Because it'll probably take three times as long. But if you're prepared for twice as long, you can do three times as long. Yeah. Uh, the other thing would be just to buy quality tools. One of my biggest regrets was that I didn't buy a better um, uh, chop saw or angle saw, whatever that thing's called. Because mm-hmm. mine like doesn't really have a true forty-five degree angle. Like it's somewhere between forty-four point three and forty. 4.7 but like they just never match up no matter what i do oh, no. uh, so buy quality tools and uh and if you have just reach out to people like if you have friends who've done stuff or if you have friends who work in any of the trades reach out and talk to them because our like i said before like our friend jake helped us out with our electrical um our friend Davey helped us out with our floors. Our friend Nate helped us out with advice about drywall. Uh, Danny helped us out with our plumbing questions. Uh, and then, of course, YouTube. But right. for real, get 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 other people involved. Like People like to help out and do fun, weird projects. Like Most of the people who helped us out with our projects had never dealt with a... Uh, air pressure powered tool before 
and like neither had we to a certain point. Like I'd used it to, to, to like fill up our car tires and stuff like that, but I'd never used a nail gun or people like to help out. So just ask people for help. Even if it just is like, Hey, can you paint that thing? And then they do it and they do a shitty job and you have to do it again. But at least they <laughs> kind of have fun, you know? And like, yeah, I don't know. it's an activity you can do together with your friends, drink, drink a yeah. couple of beers, have some pizza. Mm-hmm. Make a make a yeah, exactly. time of it. And the oh, the number one thing is demolition is super fun. So get a lot of people involved with that. Like if you can hand somebody a sledgehammer and be like, "Yo, can you tear that thing down?" They will do that for free all day. <laughs> because there... destroying shit is super fun. <laughs> Is it like uh, what they show on TV on those uh, HGTV shows where people just taking sledgehammers to shit and just having a blast? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've seen Office Space, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. It's like that. <laughs> Get your baseball bats and yeah. painters. And- Actually, that would be my advice. If you want to go into any kind of like construction or reconstruction or whatever just go into the demo side because demo is fun (laughs) rebuilding shit is tedious it's like always about like perfection it's always about like making things really nice and pretty and stuff like that but if you can get into just straight up demo man that would be like a blast (laughs) we bought this thing called a uh the honey badger it's a demolition rake this is like a four foot long rake. Uh, and the end of it is like four or five wedges. And you just like slam it into anything and pry it up. Oh my gosh. Anything. You can destroy anything with a honey badger. It does not give a fuck. <laughs> Best tool in the world. So like all the like flooring and stuff like that. I tell you like get it up. You just like slam that thing underneath like a sheet of subfloor and just crank it pull it up crank it and pull it up oh man yeah it's really fun so uh, you know as much as like the renovation process is like boring and time consuming and stuff like that like the destroying part of it is awesome (laughs) the other part is (laughs) not as awesome but the destroying part only takes like what an hour or two and then the rest literally the rest of the time is making it look nice Mm. true true yeah the funny thing about this house is that a lot of the i'm not even sure how this house was built because a lot of the nails that were in the kitchen and in the built-ins were uh they were like rifled they were like twisty nails which i'd never seen before so like I assume when they hammered them in, they just like screwed themselves into the wood, but then you can't pull those things out. There were so many nails in this place that were, we like, it took a lot of work. Oh my God. That sounds so tedious. Yeah. Thousands of nails. The wild, the wall behind me was this uh, wood paneling, which normally you'd be like, Oh, just take the wood paneling down. That'd be great. You know, you could just patch up those drywall holes. Yeah. Wood paneling itself was only held up by like 15 nails, let's say, for the entire wall, which is great. You know, we pulled it down. It was super easy. Underneath that, there was like 
7,000 nail holes for whatever fucking reason. Yeah. I have no idea. And the drywall itself was set not with screws, but with those like twisty nails. Oh. So apparently in the 60s, that's what you did, I guess. I don't know. The twisty nails are, are uh, they're not good. Oh, man. You got to beware of twisty Like this house is built to like earthquake, tornado, apocalypse. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's going to be fine. Whether we're fine or not is a totally different story. The house is going to stand though. <laughs> so we talked about a little bit about the creative process, your creative process and, and what goes into that. We've talked a little bit about the house and what, your process was for kind of creating that and how you're coming out of it. Is there sure. anything else that you think people should know about kind of your journey so far or anything like that, that we haven't talked about yet? Well, there is the beard, which was a personal project that I embarked on in 2018 because I didn't think I could grow a beard. <laughs> See, you got some you got some good length on it. It's get, starting to get curly. Certain certain parts of it grow really good. Other parts don't. But, you know, whatever. I'm blessed. Uh, <laughs> I convinced Rihanna that uh, the best thing to do was to grow it out for a year because that's what I read online. And she went along with it, and I'm glad that she did. Uh, because I really like it. Like, I think it's... I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not the world's greatest beard. And by now, I wish it was like two feet long. Like, I want like a wizard beard, but I'm never going to get that. Like, my face just can't produce that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy with what I've got, and I'm glad. It makes me feel older. I've always felt like I had a really young-looking face. And so, I don't know, just having like some white whiskers like helps me be aged. Uh, I know how you feel. I've been I've been showing my wisdom for the last four or five years, and uh, right. there's a lot of gray in my beard too, man. It's uh, people always make fun of it, but I'm like, look, it's just my wisdom showing through. I don't know what you want from me. I think that's a good attitude. Yeah. And lately, I've been collecting like when whenever a good like a nice one falls out, I've been collecting them uh, because I've started. This is one of my conceptual art projects. It's like take a beard hair that's fallen out and I mount it to a piece of paper. Okay. All right. And then I and then it's part of my beard hair series. I sign it <laughs> and then I put it under glass. And then I haven't started sending these out to people, but people are gonna very soon be getting gifts. It's just like <laughs> one beard hair. Is that the Ben Swift Christmas card? Yeah, kinda. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a, it's like a document. It's like a specimen. It's like a piece of me that I've been working on for two years. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like a, it, it fills a bunch of different categories, and it's also just straight up weird. So that's okay. Um, I'm excited to to start getting those out to people. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I put the first one down, like I was literally, uh, it was like late at night. I was drinking, and I like. One popped out, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I took it into the room, and I put it on a piece of paper, and I was like, you know what? I could really – this is something. <laughs> Got a piece of tape, put a piece of tape on it, and then I like, signed it. 
and I put it in a frame and I hung it on the wall in my bathroom. Oh, I was like, man. yeah, this is something. <laughs> I showed her Anna and she was like, that's really, really beautiful. And so ever since then, uh, I've been collecting and uh, mounting these these specimens. What happens if you get a white hair, though? How do you oh, put that on? I got paper? some black paper. <laughs> I went to Hobby Lobby specifically because I was like, I need some different colors of paper because I don't have enough contrast with these white ones. And the cool thing is that some of them like change color. Like some of these long ones, like they'll start out white and then go to like this light brown color, get darker, and then spin around like this. And then at the very end, they're really dark right by the cuticle. Yeah. And like, I don't understand how that happens. Like, why did it start out white? Why did it change color? And why is it now like black, basically? It's weird. I've never thought about that before. Um, next have... time you find, like, next time you pull one out, like, look at it, like, really carefully. Because, like, well, mine, like, I don't, I don't trim it because it doesn't grow fast enough to trim. Yeah. So any of these ones that fall out naturally, they're like, natural from the beginning to the end so like it's like a baby hair all the way to the cuticle <laughs> and it's weird how they change over time and like i was talking to my barber about it or you know at yeah. straight edge yep. and uh randall was like well yeah you have like three different types you got like straight ones you got curly ones and you got like zigzag ones or whatever and I think some of mine are just like in betweeners because they'll be like straight for a while and then change shape and then change again. It's really weird. It's fun though. Like it's it. like I've heard beards um, be called like men's makeup before. And oh, yeah? when I started growing my beard, I was like 40 pounds heavier at least. And so my face was, you know, my face was like a balloon. So it did. I mean, it did help a lot. Like it, covered up my my double chin and my double neck and all that and now sure. i just like it i just it just gives you that like stately presentation you right. are a man I'm not saying right. that men who don't have beards aren't men I'm not saying that at all but like there's there's like another level to your manliness that sure. people just can't understand un unless they grow a beard yeah i feel the same way but i also have a lot of beard envy or like even manlier. <laughs> and really my, my biggest complaint, well, like mine is kind of like sparse and like soft. I wish it was like thick, but my biggest complaint is like my mustache. Like I wish I could do like a Sam Elliott kind of thing, oh my but gosh. I just, yeah. I just don't have like, nobody has that probably, but mine is so like weak and it doesn't connect on either side. Yeah. It's like, but I can't take it off. That would look stupid. Right. You kind of, so. you kind of have like that captain, you kind of have like a captain Morgan look to you. Like how your chin is a little bit thick, a little bit longer. You got the mustache mm -hmm. that goes around to the sides. Mm -hmm. um, plus you got a, you got a beard that connects to your chin. I, I mean, captain Morgan didn't have the, the beard necessarily, but I think you, you, you can pull it off. I like it. I think it fits. It's crazy oh. how people's facial hair grows differently. Like that's always kind of mesmerized me a little bit and stumped me. Like I just get curious, like how do you, how does your DNA know 
how to grow facial hair. You know, right. it's, it's, it's yeah. really weird. I don't know if that's a DNA thing. I'm not a scientist by any thing, means. The other thing that I've been blessed with, though, is that, like, I have an awesome neckline. Like, I never have to shave my neckline, which I think is amazing. I'm kind of Because I would hate to have to, like, get in here with, like, some clippers or whatever. I always have to trim up. I can kind of trim up my the, the sides of my neck and the, the sides of my beard um, uh-huh. a little bit easier. But then, like like now, our barber is closed for I don't know how long, so I have to like trim it up myself. And my biggest fear right. is I'm gonna mess something up, then I'm gonna have to shave everything off. That's like right. that stuff <laughs> keeps me up at night. Like, what's gonna happen <laughs> if I ever have to shave my beard? Oh my god! Are you still making beard oil? Because I need some more. Uh, I can certainly make you some. I I haven't really made a lot lately. I've been kind of distracted with podcast to be honest um sarah can can attest to this but i get really excited about things and then i get really excited about something else and it it's it's tough and so one of the things about this podcast was like i have to commit like this is the one thing that i can do that i can commit to like the beard oil is good but that market is really really saturated plus You have to buy inventory. You have to, you know, there's a lot of costs behind it. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. So it's it's one of those things where like it's there, it's proven. It, I can use it, um, but I think I'm gonna keep that as a as a hobby level type situation, kind of like the podcast for now. The podcast is hobby level. You know, if people, I know people are listening, which is amazing, and thank you for listening. But um, right, it, it's not a Joe Rogan or armchair expert or you know, nowhere near that, that level. And that's perfectly well, fine. If you put a decade into it, you might get there. Yeah. Right. I don't have a big name, a uh, big name to trade on like those guys do, but um, yeah. I think we're doing something fun here. That's, that's the important thing is that it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's always good to uh, hawk your own shit on the side. So you might as well get that beard oil going <laughs> so you can do your yeah. own commercials on the air the whole time. Hey, by the way, we got some beard oil. If you guys need some beard oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like where you're going. Yeah. Well, Hey man, I really appreciate you hopping on with me tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Totally. I'm glad that we got to do it. Thank you for having me. Have I been d- domesticated? Enough? I think so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> you know, when, when my wife and I met, I was, about as undomesticated as a, a person could possibly be. I didn't have a job. I hadn't had a job for like maybe a year, like a real job. I was doing temp work and like giving blood and stuff like that. Oh, shit. Uh, and I and I lived in kind of like a, a punk rock crash pad with uh, three other guys and a dog. And it was kind of a party house. And I was like, showering once a week and like just a, a wild animal <laughs> of some kind <laughs> and uh and somehow uh, like i saw something in her and she saw something in me and uh she she domesticated me i think i think that'd be an awesome next episode man i really i want to hear more about that i think people will want to hear more about that too R- remind me to tell you about the snake that lives in our silverware drawer oh <laughs> <laughs> a real thing okay all right is that like a real snake or is that just like a yep okay 
All right. <laughs> Next time we'll talk to Ben about the snake in the silverware drawer and how he became domesticated. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> We're all ready to go. I like it. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks again thanks, for being on. This is great to talk to you.